guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> All right, let's pray. And um, if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians. Cha- I'm sorry, Galatians chapter three. That's where we're going to be. But let's take a second to pray. We'll get into God's word, and then we'll hang out and have some fellowship afterwards. But Lord, it is good to be in your house. It is good to remember your faithfulness. It is good to remember that you you do make a way, Lord. That you are a God that can do miracles. You're the God that when miracles haven't happened yet and we're hoping in you, you're just the God that is with us at all times and in all ways. And right now we ask that you'd speak to us through your word, that it would make sense, that it would come alive, that the same spirit who wrote it would be here right now as we read it and listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A little background, Galatians is a book written to a whole area in Galatia, various different churches. Um, They were probably not too big, scattered around in that area. And um, Paul had started various churches there. After Paul came through and brought people to faith in Jesus, he talked about the death and the resurrection of Christ, and, and whole groups of people turned from their their, their native religions to, to Jesus. Um, some, some Jewish believers came through in that area. And they basically came and they told everybody, all right, well, you know Jesus, that's just the starting point. People had a very intense, a very detailed, a very strict law of rules and regulations that if you were going to be in a relationship with God, and experience his blessings, you needed to to do it and to to know it and to live it. And so Paul gets word and he finds out, whoa, that is, in fact, that's what Jesus and the scriptures all point to. And so he's writing this letter to kind of clear that up. And so we've been reading this for the past few weeks and we will will keep reading in chapter 3, verse 7. I'm going to read some verses and then we will just talk about them. And so this is Paul writing to those people about faith. And he says, Know this then, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations will be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. What Paul's doing here, remember the argument is, is you got to follow the law. And if you've never thought about why, why we hold a book that we call God's word that has a whole bunch of rules and regulations in it, but we don't do all of them. If you've never had that question, be like, why don't we do those? Why don't we partake of those? Um, it's because of this answer that Paul is giving. And he's saying, oh, you want to be a part of the nation of Israel? Well, well, let's talk about Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. And what was it that made Abraham special? What was it about Abraham that pleased God? And it was his faith. It was the faith of Abraham. Abraham was an old man when God told him he would have a child. And if you are an old man or an old woman and God tells you you're going to have a child... You're going to have faith or it ain't going to happen because these bodies don't work like that. Like it needed to be a God thing. So it was this faith that Abraham had in God that wound up pleasing God 
and releasing blessings to Abraham. And so what Paul is saying, he says, all right, you, you really want to know what it means to be, to be Jewish, to be Hebrew? It's to be like Abraham, the man that had faith, because it's those people that have faith that you're blessed along with Abraham. And he's going to extend this argument as we read along. He says, verse 10, he says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not. So this law that came after Abraham, it had curses in it. If you read the story of Abraham, there was no curse given to Abraham. It was only blessings. But when Moses came and he established the law, it basically says if you don't do all of it, you're cursed. That's a big ask. That's like a big thing. It's not like saying, well, if you do some of it, you'll be blessed more. It's saying if you don't do all of it, you will be cursed. And we're going to explain this in a little bit, but let's keep reading so we can follow Paul's thought. Verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God. Remember, justified means made right with God or made righteous or just as if you've never sinned. So it says, no one is justified, made right with God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. He's quoting a scripture and he's saying it's, it's those who are righteous, the way they get there is it's through faith, it's not through works of the law. Verse 12, it says, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So the law is not something you believe, it's something you do. And a lot of times, people, humans, we, we want to be told what to do. We may not admit it, but there's a lot of times we just want somebody to tell us what to do. At work, I make a lot of decisions. I, I have to talk to people, they ask me questions, and, and I make decisions. Some of them don't mean very much, but they're decisions. It's like, well, what do you want me to do here? And it's easy. Some of them are very complicated and, and difficult, and, and whatever decision I make can actually affect a student's life and, and the family's life for a very long time. So I make decisions, and so when I come home, I don't want to make any. I want to make zero decisions. What do you want to eat? I don't care. What do you want to watch? I don't care. What do you want to do? Whatever you guys want. What to do. And then, and then people tell us what to do and we don't want to do it. All right? It's both. It's not either or. It's both. And so some people want a law. They just want the rules. But it says the law is not faith, but the one who does them will live by them. Verse 13, it says, but Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Isn't that, that's an interesting thing. Did you know that Christ became a curse for you? Have you heard that? Have you thought about that? Do you know what that means? And let, let's read on. For as it is written... Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That's referencing how he died. He was nailed to a dead tree or a cross, which was just a dead tree. Verse 14, so in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles 
so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. All right, I'm going to try to explain this, and this may not work, okay? If this fails miserably, you know, blame me. And if it's awesome, then thank God, all right? And we'll see how it goes. But Caleb, come over here quickly. Come on. Actually, no, not you, Caleb. Adam. Come over here. Can you come here, Adam? All right. This is going to be hard because I'm tied to the stage. But Adam, you will stand far over there. Wait, wait, don't, I can't go with you. So hold these two things, all right? Adam, slide that way. Pause. That's perfect. You will represent Adam. All right, I'm making it easy for you. Adam is Adam. It's about man's relationship with God. Adam had a perfect relationship with God, and if you read the first few chapters of Genesis, you get this wonderful picture of paradise. And, and, and there was, it was a perfect place because man was in a perfect relationship with God. But Adam doesn't only tell us about that relationship. It also tells us about sin and how sin destroyed that relationship and that because of sin, all of us don't have this relationship of God, with God that we were created for. Well, after Adam came Abraham. Loring, come here. You're going to be Father Abraham. I'm sorry. I'm just, I just saw you first, all right? So Abraham came after Adam. And Abraham teaches us like two really big things about God. He teaches us about God's promises and how faith in God get us to those promises. In fact, when God visited Abraham and he made a covenant with Abraham, they did something. And you can go read this in your Bible. Go, go read this and see if I'm telling the truth. But, but they made a covenant and have you ever heard the expression, cut a deal? Raise your hand. Have you ever heard the expression, cut a deal? Well, in the Old Testament or in the Old Near East, they would actually cut a covenant. And what they would do if two people wanted to have a covenant, they would take animals. And in fact, you can read when God made a covenant with Abraham, they cut animals. Abraham, they cut some birds, two birds. And then they cut a goat, I believe. And they, they cut a heifer. And the idea, a heifer, yeah, my wife liked her, one half heifer. And they cut these animals and they would walk through them to where one half of the animal was here and one half of the animal was there. And the two people would walk through, walk with me, they would walk through the animals and it would basically be saying, like, if I don't fulfill my part, let me be like these animals. And if you think about that, you think about you're, you're going to make a deal or an agreement or a covenant with someone. And as you're making that agreement, you're watching him just cut a bird in half. And then you're both like working the muscle and the bone. And, and, and you know, this guy could do that to me. And he knows you could do it to him. And it was the idea of if you're not being faithful in the covenant made what happened to these animals happen to you. But the cool thing, when God made a covenant with Abraham, back up. He made Abraham fall asleep, fall asleep. And God walked through it himself. God made the covenant himself. 
In other words, Abraham had no part in the covenant. He just had to trust in God to be faithful to himself. And God is faithful to himself. Well, after Abraham came, come here, my friend Andre. There was another guy that appears, and it was the guy named, you're going to need three hands. You got three hands, brother? Moses. Moses brought the law. I'm going to figure out how you do that. And the law had something different. It had blessings, the blessings of Abraham. You can get these through the law, and there's blessings in the law. But it also had curses. It was like another level, a different covenant, a different agreement. But again, somebody was cut. And it was a covenant of circumcision. And it was this idea that, that, that the, the nation is now in a new covenant. They had one covenant with Adam. It broke because of sin. Another covenant with Abraham through faith and receiving the promises of God. And now there's Moses and he comes and he establishes this new thing with the law. This idea that you have to, to obey fully and there's, there's blessings but there's also curses. We just read in Galatians it said Jesus redeems us from the curse of the law because he became a curse for us. That is referencing Deuteronomy 21. In Deuteronomy, <laughs> all right, come on this side. Because Jesus is completely different. Jesus, not upside down, here we go. Jesus came and he was hung on a tree. And he talked about, or he gave us this message of grace, this undeserved love, this fact that people had not obeyed the covenant, they were not perfect, and rather than getting blessings, they were under a curse. And it was because sin still had a hold on them from Adam. And so Jesus comes, and he took the punishment for sin. That's why he died. The punishment for sin is death, right? So we can say, all right, the fact that he died a death he didn't deserve, and the punishment for death is sin, well, you didn't deserve that. So he took our death for us, and he got rid of sin. So drop sin, Adam. I can't walk over there. So Jesus took care of sin by dying. On a, by dying. But he could have died anyway. Like, he could have, like, there's a lot of ways to die. But they actually used a Roman method, which was to nail people to a tree. And it's really the only curse in the Old Testament that you could apply to Jesus. Because Jesus lived this law perfectly. There was not one thing he did that brought him under God's curse. But there was one thing done to him when he was hung on a tree or nailed to a cross that brought God's curse on him. But he didn't deserve it. So the curse is broken in Christ. Sorry, Moses. And also, really, the law is done away with. Because the law, it goes on in Galatians, it says it was a tutor or a guardian, the right place geographically. When Jesus comes, 
For those who put their faith in him, you receive grace. You receive blessing without a curse. You're not under the law because he completed the law. It's still based on faith and promises, and that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, you want to really know what it is to be a Hebrew? Don't go to Moses. Go to the guy before Moses, Abraham. Thank you, Abraham. (laughs) And sin was done away with, so we're all able to be brought back into a relationship like God had with Adam. Now, on his first coming, he really took care of the law thing and brought us back to faith and promise, right? This is kind of where we are now. This is, this is kind of where we live today before the second coming of Christ, all right? You're shorter than I am, I think. So, all right. <laughs> so we live here by faith and Christ. We have blessing. We have grace. We look to the cross. But on his second coming, he will make all things new and restore everything into perfection. And that world that we are supposed to live in before sin came, it'll be here. There won't be any crying, there won't be any death, there won't be any shame. He will have redeemed everything. Can you give these guys a hand? Thank you, gentlemen. You guys can go back to your seat. Appreciate it. Did that make any sense? I hope it did. All right, verse 19, let's keep going. God bring the law about. It said it was added because of transgressions. Oh, wait, let me go back. I think I skipped some verses, sorry. Verse 15, I apologize, everyone. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls to it or adds to it once it has been ratified. If you make a contract, you can't add to the contract without both people agreeing, right? You can't add things once it's been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, with an S, referring to many, but to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. All the promises of Abraham really came to fulfillment in Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, so you had Abraham and then we had Moses, it does not nullify. So Moses' covenant did not break Abraham's covenant. It did not nullify a covenant previously ratified, this covenant that God had made with Abraham, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it is no longer comes by promise. See, it's God's promise because God decided to, because God loves us, given to us through faith and not of works. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Verse 19, you should be asking this question if you're understanding what he's saying. So like, why the law? Why even add Moses into this thing? Why not just go Adam, Abraham, Jesus? It was added because of transgressions. Because people transgress. They make bad mistakes. And so they needed to know 
It says, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through an angel by an intermediate. So in other words, it was given because people sin and they needed to know it. Without the law, we didn't really know sin. Just like without your parents, you don't know much. Parents should be the one that teach you, like, hey, don't eat that. Go to bed at a reasonable time. Work hard. Don't be a bum. You know, like, there's all these lessons that we teach people as parents, and that was God's way of teaching how to believe. Verse 21, it says, is the law contrary to the promises of God? So is it against the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given that could give life, then righteousness would have been indeed come through the law. If you could give people life through a law, that was the law that was going to do it. But none of us could obey the law because of the sin. Sin needed to be dealt with. Verse 25, but now faith has come and we're no longer under, I'm sorry, verse 24, I keep skipping, I apologize. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So remember, Adam, the relationship was broken. People are separated from God. The law is like a guardian, kind of like our nanny or our tutor, my parents, were a combination of the both. I spent a lot of my years growing up with both my parents at work. Why? Because they had to pay bills and they had to do what they needed to do. And so they, they hired a couple that came from Cuba that knew no English, and they would leave my sister and I with them, my grandparents. I didn't really have other grandparents that were around. But the beginning, they were just a guardian. Before they became my grandparents, they were just a guardian. And they did a lot of, would your parents want you to do that? Are you, are, are you sure? Are you sure you should be setting that on fire? I don't think they would like that. And I'd be like, no, you're probably right. Or I'd say, no, they're perfectly cool with it. But they were guardians. They were not my parents, but they were put in place to take care of me in the way my parent would if they were there. Because the relationship with God was broken, we needed a guardian until that relationship could be restored. And it was restored in Christ. Verse 25, but now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. Daddy's home. He's home now. He's in our hearts through faith. He lives in us. He can tell us what he expects of us and how we are to live. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. That relationship is restored, the one that Adam lost. And it's not restored through the law or through works or through effort but it's through faith and trust in the promises of God. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's an interesting imagery. This idea that we put on Christ and when, when, when the blood of Christ is on us, not only is our sin removed, 
but when God Christ and he treats us like his children. Verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, I was thinking about this verse because I knew I was going to be reading it today. And I was thinking about how, how different the people in this room are. There's people in this room from, from other countries. There's people in this wor- world, in this room from West Virginia. I mean, <laughs> and if, if God can save them, then there's hope for, I'm sorry, Mike. I had to throw one at you today because I... But it's the point that I'm making in in a very simple way is that it doesn't matter where we're from, is that it matters where we're going and we're all being brought back to the Father through Christ. So it's not about what we look like on the outside. It's not about where we were born. It's about what Christ did and about what faith in that means. And I love that no Jew or Greek. So really the whole issue about the law doesn't matter because there's no more Jew and no more Greek in Christ. There's neither slave nor free. That's a hard thing to say, but that was one of the things that really caused some controversy. The fact that when the church met together, that a slave was on equal ground with a free person. And that there was no difference in that, and they should be treated with as much respect and as much dignity as anyone else. There's no male or female. This idea that male and female are both equally accepted in Christ. The enemy wants the opposite of that. So if he can divide male and female, he will gladly. If he can divide the slaves and the free and, and get us angry with people of different statuses, he will. And if he can divide us on racial grounds, he will do it. Because he knows the power that happens when people come together and all find grace, all find mercy, all find the love of God and the honor that God has for his children. Being a child of God is a special thing. And the fact that we are all special in him. And in verse 29 it says, And if you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's offspring and heirs according to that promise. And next week, we'll talk more about what it means to be an heir of God's promises. Would you bow your heads just for a second? Would you, would you close your eyes? We're going to be closing. Maybe you've been in this room and you've not allowed the Lord to deal with sin in your life. Jesus came to deal with sin. He came to take it away. Put your faith in him. Put your hope in him. Maybe you're in this room and you feel like you're, and and some people actually feel this way, but you feel like you're cursed by God. You feel like you've blown it so bad that you've sinned so much that God is literally against you. Let me tell you, he, he took the curse away by becoming a curse for us because he was hung on a tree. With a voice that has been telling you that you are cursed by God, that's not good 
and that's not from God. If you fit into either of those categories, would you just put your hand up so I can know who I'm praying for right now? Amen. I see those hands. I see those hands. You're not alone. It's kind of the human condition. Lord, if anyone in this room is battling with sin, the ones who've raised their hands and those of us who haven't, please, Lord, thank you for Christ. Thank you that he became sin for us, that he took sin from us. If anyone in this room is battling with feeling like they're cursed by God, that they have done something so horrible that God has cursed them and has no more good left for them, I pray you let them turn to Christ and see how you broke the curse off us and only left the blessings. Not because you had to, but because you wanted to. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, church? Amen. Food should already be here, I believe. Yes, it's already here. So we are going to transition to our hangout time. Again, you are all asked to hang out with us, but if you got to go, we understand. Take a to-go box. I'm going to challenge you. We just read a verse where it says there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or free male, female, but everyone is made one in Christ. I'm going to encourage you today to visit with someone. Whatever you're comfortable doing. Don't, don't weird people out. If you come up to somebody and they look at you like, ah, get away, well then get away from them. But as much as you're comfortable, take some time and, and visit with someone. And, and as you visit with them, they might be very different from you. But just realize God loves them and God loves you and God loves everybody. And may it help you appreciate his love even more. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this food we're about to eat. We thank you for this fellowship. And we thank you for your word. We pray your word would be more than just something on a page, but it would be in our hearts. We pray people in this church would be full of your spirit and full of grace. And Lord God, we pray that you would bless this meal. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great week. Let somebody know that you love them and you care about them, but at their comfort level. Amen. If anyone needs prayer, me and my wife would be happy to pray with you. Um, we'll be hanging out up here. We'd love to pray for any need that you might have in any area of your life.